0: You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 37.
1: She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and
0: board-certified
1: OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for.
0: Hey, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart and many of my clients' hearts, and probably yours too. If you're a woman and you work and you've got family and you've got responsibilities, then you've got stress, and you might have what our guest today is going to talk with us about, and that's emotional eating. You might have too much on your plate, not your physical dinner plate, but on your life's plate. And that can often lead to overeating. I met Dr. Melissa Mercury at our mastermind several years ago and found her to be a font of information and resources to help with this vexing problem that we working professional women really struggle with. Even though I've had the majority of my weight off for over a decade now, I find that when the stress really starts escalating, oftentimes I make food choices that are what I call not in my best interest. Can you relate? Right. I know I'm not alone. That's why I wanted to have her on the show. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Psychologist Dr. Melissa McCreary focuses on the three O's that ambush successful high-performing women. I wanted to think three O's. No, not that O, ladies. Overwhelm, overload, and overeating. She is the author of the Emotional Eating Rescue Plan for Smart, Busy Women and the creator of too much on her a consulting company providing busy women the programs and resources they need to take control of stress and overeating and add more ease, success and joy to their health, their businesses and their lives. Melissa's approach to helping working mothers, busy professionals and stressed out business owners has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Weight Watchers magazine, Good Housekeeping, Working mother, fitness, women's health, real simple, and Self Magazine, and visit too much on her to learn more and to take your free Hidden Hunger's quiz to find out why you're really overeating. Welcome, Dr. Melissa McCreary. Thanks for having me, I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> so I'm delighted to have you on today, especially since, as I was just sharing. That no matter it's been a decade that I've lost 100 pounds and kept the weight off, I still fall into the pit of having too much on my plate. And inevitably, I can keep it straight with my eating for a while. But then I do find that I'll fall in a pit, nothing near like what it used to be. I can Mm -hmm. recognize it, get out of it. And like unhealthy eating for me now is a yogurt, (laughs) so... So why is this such a chronic problem for us
1: women? Well, part of what you just described, right? It's it's a oh, okay. We could go on and on and on. It is a problem for busy, high-achieving women. That's the first thing. And and what I see so often is people who think it is only a problem for them, and that and that there's something wrong, and that everybody else has it figured out, and if they could just like hold on tighter or be more perfect, they wouldn't have that, situ- that situation that you just described. And, and what I said to you when we started, um, before we started the interview and you, you described this, like it's not just a pit, there's a whole cycle of stuff that happens that contributes to why food gets to be so powerful and why it's so difficult to do the, the right thing, right? Um, and if we don't understand that cycle, and we don't understand that there is a reason the food has the power that it has in our lives, trying to do the right thing and trying to stay the course and actually ultimately being successful for the long haul really gets to be next to impossible.
0: Yeah, so let, let's talk about that. Why, why is that so for us? Why is it such a chronic problem?
1: Well, I think because, it's, because our relationship with food is about so much more than food. And what I see all the time is, um, well, I, I work a lot with smart, high-achieving women, and so smart, high-achieving women, I'm one, you're one. When we want to get things done, we, we go t- down the path that seems the most logical to us, and so you have a problem with food, you have a problem with weight, you tackle the food, right? Right? How am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? Um, How much am I going to eat? What am I going to not eat? We we create this path that seems like it is the most direct, helpful thing to do. Problem is, there's all this other stuff operating in the background that actually (laughs) is driving so many of the decisions that we make around all the things that have to do with food. So, so one of the things I often ask people to do is to draw a little diagram. And if anybody's listening and they wanna do this, what I want you to do is, is we're gonna create, I want you to, I always try to think about how the best way is to describe this um, when I don't have visuals. But think about making, a, I want you to make a circle and think of it like a Ferris wheel with five other, like five circles or cars around the Ferris wheel. And we're going to fill in the circles. The first one is going to be exhaustion. And the second circle around that we're making a cycle here is going to be being too busy. And then I want you to add stress. And then let's put in emotions tough emotions or emotions that you don't know how to deal with or emotions that you just don't have any blasted time to deal with because you are too busy. And then let's fill in the fifth part of that uh, kind of Ferris wheel that we've created with avoidance. And this is a big one that comes up all the time because if you are too busy, if you are tired, if you have stuff you don't know how to deal with or you don't have time to deal with or you don't have any extra energy to deal with and you're also stressed out, we tend to create all these patterns of avoidance. So if you if you're drawing along or if you're doing this in your head, you can put an arrow where each of these things leads to the other. Um, most smart busy women that I work with can relate to at least two of the things in this cycle, um, probably three or four or five of these things in the cycle. Um, every single Piece that I just talked about has a pull for us around food. Um, every single thing that I described is something that we have probably learned and been conditioned, and find it quite easy to use food as a way to cope with and deal with. Um, and every single thing in this cycle makes falling into the cycle with the other things even more seductive and easy. Does am I am I describing that in a way that that makes sense? Yes, I think
0: so. I, I do want to back up. You said that yeah. food means so many different things. So I think if we can help everybody understand why food means so many different things, what, what does it relate to and what does it mean in our lives besides just nutritive support? What oh. does food represent?
1: Food is comfort. Um, food is quick energy. Food is okay. fake energy, right? Food so is, it's a
0: drug right there is what you're saying. Yeah. Because um, you can use it to manipulate your mood and your energy level and, and aspects of your biochemistry. Isn't that the definition of a drug, right? Absolutely. So, okay. So it's Food comfort, it's a drug.
1: It's a comfort, <laughs> it's a drug, it's a way of avoiding. Um, it's a band-aid for a lot of different things. It's a way of numbing ourselves. It's a way of providing some quick kind of pleasure if we're feeling miserable or where, where I see it a lot is at the end of a really long, hard day when you are so exhausted, you've gone through this whole cycle I just described about 50 times and it feels like you've had nothing for you. Um, what is the easiest, most accessible, most instantly gratifying thing? If you're only looking in the short term, you know how mm-hmm. easy is it to go grab something from the refrigerator to eat? Um, food is a friend, food is a celebration, food is a um, pick-me-up if you're bored. It's different for, It's different for, we all have our own relationship with food, but if we don't have an understanding of all the different ways that food comes into play in our lives and all we're focusing on is um, how many carbs we're going to eat or what kind of fats we're going to get, um, we're missing so much of what's going on.
0: Right. And I was thinking as you were describing what food, the meaning it has, it's a, it's also your family and your culture and a lot of values yeah. that were passed down and love that was passed down. So you, you kind of have these big categories and then you have the in the minute meanings of what we can use it for besides nutritive support. Um I, I would add to that it's also beauty uh, mm-hmm. because the, the visual aspect, the aroma that stimulates the olfactory nerve and that visual pleasure we, we get from it. Uh, but as you say, it's so many things and it's different things to different people. Uh, but one thing that I do try and help people see is that it does fall, these meanings fall into different categories. hmm so for me, that, that I find that that's helpful for people to start to think, and everybody listening can start to think, well, in this instance where I'm wanting comfort and I'm finding myself eating something that I say is not in my best interest, comfort is what I'm wanting, but where, what does that fall under that I'm using food for? Um,
1: does that make sense? more about that. I think I'm tracking. Yeah, but I'm
0: right. So if you're looking for comfort and so you're looking to use food for non-nutritive purposes mm-hmm. and is that comfort and I noticed this for me there are certain foods that might seem more comforting and some of them are numbing and then I have to admit that I'm using food as a drug. I'm using mm-hmm. it manipulate how I feel. I feel stressed. And so I want some sugar because I know that that's going to activate my biochemical processes in a way, and we don't have to go into the biochemistry of it, but it actually does dampen your stress response and affect your cortisol. And so I have to admit to myself, yes, I may be thinking comfort if I'm being aware and conscious of what I'm doing, But if I think of the greater reason, it's because I'm looking to manipulate how I feel and that's a drug. And back when I weighed 240 pounds, I every day had wine when I came home from work to de-stress. And so I have to be very cognizant. I'm not going to do that with food.
1: Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And I'm so glad you said that because um, it it connects with this other piece that I see all the time, which is that... um, food absolutely does something for us. Overeating always does something for us. But when we pull back the lens and really look at it from a broader perspective, so often the story we're telling ourselves about what the food is doing, it's really, it's either not doing it or it's doing such a crappy job. You know, we could, (laughs) we could could, um, do so much better by ourselves. You know, so many uh, you were talking about food being beautiful and, and taste and savoring. Yeah. So many women I talk to will 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 get started and they'll tell me that's why they're overeating, right? Because I love food and I don't want to have to give it up. And, and yet, um, s- most people who overeat aren't, you know this, aren't savoring. Right? Aren't really tasting, aren't really enjoying, are feeling guilt and shame with every bite or are eating in secret and hoping nobody discovers it. Um, the pleasure is really, the pleasure is either not there or it's a five minute, five second sometimes pleasure that's followed by 24 hours of guilt and beating yourself up emotionally for it. Um, we just deserve so much better.
0: Right, and so really cooking freshly prepared food with all the colors in the rainbow, organic fruits, vegetables, and if you choose them grains, if not, not grains, But having it prepared, preparing it specially, sitting down, allowing yourself to do nothing else but eat. I noticed in your quiz on your website that you're going to share before you get off uh, with everyone, you have a question about do you do something else typically while you're eating? And I would venture that most Americans do. And that means that we're not really paying attention to the colors the textures, the smell, really experiencing our food to the fullest. We're really just doing something else. Our consciousness is there and, and shoveling. So
1: how does that affect our overeating? Lots of different ways. And it's so interesting. Most, most people not, not only are multitasking while they're eating, but, um, and, and listeners, you know, take some inventory here as, as I'm talking, Most people feel some discomfort at the idea of not multitasking when eating, which is really interesting. If you're feeling in that place where you're in a cycle with, with food and overeating that you don't like, and it feels like it's hard to give up these things that you feel like you need to give up or the changes that you need to make, What's going on when you're depriving yourself of actually being in the moment with the food and in, enjoying the food? Mm-hmm. Um, part, of, part of what happens when we're multitasking like that, well, we know from the research that people who don't multitask, who eat mindfully are more satisfied sooner, mm-hmm. they enjoy their food more, um, they, they eat less. So there's all sorts of weight loss benefits from mindful eating. But the other thing that happens if we're not paying attention is If I'm not paying attention. I can't be connected to what's really going on, whether it's with my feelings or my how full I am or how hungry I am what's physically going on for me. I can't also be aware of all the reasons that I might be overeating whether I'm being triggered whether I'm um, Whether I'm eating it because it was the amount that the waiter brought me on my plate. I can't make a choice. You know, if I'm not present, I'm not making a choice and I'm at the mercy of so many things. It's really hard to, you know, to navigate a path of of success that's going to last if I'm not paying attention.
0: Right. And that's so true because then it's being run by your subconscious programming. And if you have a, had a habit of overeating, mindless eating, stress eating, that's run by that subconscious programming. And so you have to bring that forebrain online to be aware and cognitively make a different choice. And so I love that you highlight mindful eating, being present. And I actually did a a class once and the class was on spirituality, but one of the exercises that they had us do was... We had different, uh, I think we had olives and a few other food items and we had to mindfully eat each item and then write about, our experience of it and it's very different than oh i'm gonna have some olives oh i'm gonna have some feta cheese (laughs) it was just what is the color and looking at it and then we shared about it afterwards what's the smell what is the texture is the texture different one olive to the next and then what does it feel like when i first put it in my mouth does that feeling change as i do start to chew it what is it like before i swallow it and it just was an experience that was so detailed that i had never had and really expanded my awareness of mindful eating i had i thought i already ate mindfully but this was a real next level mindfulness and and you're right the studies do show exactly what you said as well as digestive enzymes are mm-hmm. increased when you eat more slowly, you sit down, you savor, and you 're mindful about it, which is important because, starting at age thirty, our digestive enzymes start going down, and that 's one of the reasons that we have gastrointestinal disturbance. So, I agree with you, mindful eating, what other aspects would you say are important
1: to decrease mindless eating well I want, I want to say something first about mm-hmm. about the simply paying attention because I think that a lot of people when they think about um okay i really need to pay attention they come from that place i really need to pay attention i really need to put the phone away I, like it's um it's going to be this onerous unhappy experience if you have to mindfully eat and and for people who have been on a diet roller coaster for a while or have struggled with their weight there are a lot of connotations sometimes that if I, if I pay attention, what I'm gonna come up against is all the stuff I can't do. I'm gonna be aware that I'm eating this or I'm eating. Too, I'm gonna to have to eat less or I'm gonna to have to give this up. And I really think that's the wrong way to look at it because what, is, what I see happen all the time is that when you pay attention and when you get mindful and when you start to pay attention to not just what you're eating and how much you're eating and when you're eating, but also why you're eating it opens up this amazing place where you can start to deal with the reasons that you're overeating in a direct way. You get to take, you get to make the choice about whether you want to take food out of the equation. If I'm eating because I'm stressed or because I'm exhausted or I'm too busy and all I do is keep taking care of that need, taking care of that need in the short term by, by getting something to eat, I am in this endless cycle where those things are gonna to continue to spin and nothing is gonna get better. I'm gonna to continue to be stressed. I'm gonna to continue to be too busy. I'm gonna to continue to have tough emotions that I don't know how to deal with. When I get mindful, when I start to pay attention, I can start to feed myself the things that I really need. And that's partly where, where my hidden hunger's quiz comes in. We can, you know, When we pay attention, we can start to understand what it is that really lights us up. It isn't food. You know, what what we really are craving that isn't food. And we can start to learn how to feed ourselves those things. And that's when it gets really exciting, right? So, yes. And so somebody listening, I think
0: that a lot of us, when we do overeat, we don't realize that we're using food as a substitute for what we really want because we're so because that the sheer act of overeating and mindless eating and eating unhealthy choices too much fat too much sugar too much carbs shuts down our emotions to a point where we don't even know that we don't know we're shutting down our emotions and we are not really in touch with what we really are hungry for. Yes. So how would you suggest that people st- start one, realize that that's what's happening. And then how would you help them? What tools would you give them to start moving out of that to really listening more deeply?
1: Such a, it's such a great big question. Great and big. You know, I think the very first thing that is so important is to take on the reality, and this is, this is, if you only take one thing away from the conversation that we're having, um, I hope anybody listening can take this away, which is that there is always a reason that we, that we eat. There's always a reason that you overeat. It might be that you're hungry, it could be that your blood sugar is low, and it may have nothing to do with food. But so often people don't even have this conversation that you're talking about having with, your, with ourselves because, because it just dead ends into, well, I was stupid or I was lazy or I wasn't motivated enough or just, you know, I screwed up again. We, we come up with this judgment and we don't go any further with it. Mm-hmm. And if you can start with the belief that, wait a minute, as much as I don't like what I just did or as much as today was fabulous in terms of how I handled food, there's a reason for it. Um, and so you start by, by accepting that reality and then being curious about it. And, and what I always tell people is there's so much stuff we don't know. I mean, I could always give you a list of all the stuff I don't know about what I don't know, <laughs> you know, what I wish I knew, or we're so good at coming up with what we don't know. So don't start with that. You're not right. going to know everything about why you, why you overate at lunch. But if you start with a question of what do I know? You know, what do I know about what happened here? Or what do I know about how today's lunch was different from yesterday's lunch? Or why do I know, you know, what do I know about when it started to go sideways? You know, if you can just to start, start to collect the breadcrumbs and then start to connect them and don't get stuck in perfectionism about it. There's a reason that you overeat. There is always a reason that you overeat. The other thing that is true is that you have lived inside your body your entire life and you know some things. You've probably with food, if this is a cycle that you've been in, you've gotten so focused on what you don't know and you've gotten so focused on listening to other people tell you what you should know and you know some things. And so to just give yourself, you mentioned space, right? Take some space to be, to be curious to accept the fact that I may not have a clue what it is right now, but there is a reason this happened. Okay, I might not have a clue, but what do I know? And start to activate that curiosity and and start small. I was tired. Um, I didn't bring a lunch and I got too hungry. Um, I was, you know, I don't know if it's connected, but I was really pissed after that meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: those things. Those are great questions to ask. And uh, you, I love some question, other questions you have in your quiz about do you have quiet time in your space, in your life, do, or do you always have to have noise? Do you always have to have TV, radio? And you really do. When I was busy OBGYN and ran the business and mom and wife and all that, I, there was no space to feel or know or hear anything. And now I have so much space and drive with no radio on in the car. And it's just lovely. So I can Isn't it hear, wonderful. Yes. I can hear myself. Like I can hear my own little heart and what's going on. And um, and so it is wonderful. And it's it's funny. I I was at an expo yesterday and this woman I didn't even know came up to me and we started having a conversation because it was so loud in there about space and quietude and spaciousness and really hearing yourself and how uh, it's just not a part of everybody's life. So if someone's really a busy professional, like I was at when I did OB and business and family, how do you say, when they say, this is what I always said, I don't have the time, yeah. too much on my plate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> how you do know, you help people find it doesn't that? It have to be an escape to a Greek island. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 there isn't research. There is no research on this I, that I'm aware of, and I'm not quite sure how we would do the research. But I am very confident that a huge amount of overeating, we're um, eating, particularly for smart, busy women with a lot on their plates, happens during transitions. Okay, and transition transitions are the 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 time in between things. So transition, and for busy women, they are often actually not even time in between things. They are overlapping things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the time between when your meeting ends and you you have to figure out what to do next, or the time between work and um, dinner time, or the time after dinner, Or the time after you finish something you're really proud of. And you think about all the times in your day when you have a transition. Big transitions are between work and dinner time or after dinner and bedtime. That is a huge transition for a lot of people. And I think it's so powerful because we're usually pretty depleted at that time. But transitions are a time where we're left with um, trying to figure out what to do next. And all those hidden hungers, all those circumstances that I've been talking about that can drive you to want food. If you're busy, if there's no time, you don't have time to take a half day retreat and you don't have time probably to schedule a massage for yourself every time you would like one. You do have time to take a minute to make a purposeful transition. Because usually what we do is we don't stop, we don't think, we don't feel, we just react. We react, we react, we react. Mm -hmm. And reaching for food is one of the most ingrained automatic reactions that you might have. Taking a deep breath, taking 30 seconds to think, okay, what am I feeling? What do I need? Mm -hmm. What's going on inside my mind right now? It doesn't have to take a long time, but What you want to do is you want to give yourself a small bit of space so that you can move from being reactive to making a choice. It it can be as simple as that, and it can be as simple as a breath. You mentioned feeling your heartbeat. You know, Um, I love the research that just taking 30 seconds to feel your heartbeat can bring down your stress level. Um, it also can connect you with yourself. And if you can connect with yourself, you can start asking, what am I hungry for? Or am I physically hungry? Or what do I know about what I need? And the thing I love about that is that even if I don't know the answer, even if that's a question I've never asked before, and it just feels like a different language, the practice of starting to ask that question is going to start to enhance my ability to answer the question i'm going to start to think about that more it's going to change the pathways in my brain it's going to move me out of all those automatic reactions many of which have to do with just reaching for something to eat or wandering into the kitchen or turning into the drive-through and it's going to put me back in the driver's seat one Mm -hmm. small change at a time right
0: and and As you're talking, I'm just thinking that when you're eating reactively because of stress for non-nutritive purposes, you're really in that crocodile brain, the older brain, or you're in the emotional limbic brain. You're not in the forebrain, the executive function brain, so it is automatic. And and also when you were talking, and I was just thinking, we we always say, I don't have the time, but the truth is, I don't have the skill is what we should say. We just don't have the skills. So it's a skill, everybody listening. So you may not have been taught that skill. And for most of us who reflexively go to food for non-nutritive purposes, to manage stress, difficult emotions, we learned that in childhood. And so we didn't learn skills to manage stress and difficult emotions. And we learned to leverage food for those purposes. So if it can be learned, it can be unlearned, but we have to make it conscious. So I love that what, what you're talking about really is bringing it from the unconscious to the conscious and in, in invoking other aspects of connecting you to your body. Because usually when we're overeating or eating for non-nutritive purposes, we are disconnected from our body, right? Mm -hmm. so I love that you talk about feeling the heartbeat taking three deep breaths and invoking that relaxation response probably would be awesome too and uh, something I like to tell people is say well you can eat that don't say you can't but you have to give yourself a time out before and I love to tell people to journal is that a tool that you like to use all the time
1: oh I love journaling yeah just being a bit the 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 act of deciding to be curious mm-hmm. will take you from that lizard brain that you're talking about. It will engage your front your prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. I mean, just saying, wait, there's something going on here. What do I what do I know about that. It starts different parts of your brain firing. Mm-hmm. And the minute you do that, your brain is working on your own behalf. Um, writing is the same way. Stopping to just write things down, it changes the way we think about them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand, we, we well, we don't when we're doing it, we don't understand because we're not thinking, we're reacting. Um, and, and when we're stuck in cycles with overeating, this happens all the time. We don't understand how much of overeating is, is an automatic reflexive reaction. And we are so much more powerful than that, right?
0: Um, so we much- are, but we're biologically programmed based on studies in, in newborns to Mm -hmm. prefer sugar and fat. So we are biologically programmed for that. And babies when they are stressed will preferentially choose sugar and fat. So we, we are programmed that way. However, I think that part of growing up is learning about appropriate ways to handle stress, psychosocial stress in the environment and not use food, and I know I have friends who they don't use food. They didn't learn that behavior, but in my household, it, that was modeled for me, and and frankly, it was uh, fostered as well. Um, so, it, so it's something that
1: that we, if we can learn it, we can unlearn it. Right? You can you can not just unlearn it, but but the other piece of it is that when you start to build tools for, let's use the example of stress. Um, you can yes food helps in the short term and food does some very specific physiological things to make us feel better but when we widen our lens and when we look at creating um, a different deeper longer lasting kind of satisfaction there are so many tools that we can start to put in place and they're different for everyone but when we can actually address the stress So that we're not using, again, reactively. We don't need something because stress, got to do something. Stress, got to do something. Um, When we can actually take care of the stress, everything changes. And for some people, it doesn't always happen and it isn't instantaneous, but I've seen it so many times. The cravings go away the overeating goes away because mm-hmm. you don't have if you if you accept the fact that there's a reason you overeat and you take care of the reason the whole pattern changes it's a it's a lovely thing well let's talk about that too
0: so the stress because if i ask somebody to go out in the world and bring me back a bucket of stress <laughs> what are they going to bring me <laughs> nothing So stress really doesn't exist except in our minds and in our bodies as a, based on what we believe and believe and what we think. So let's talk about that. How do you declutter your mind, declutter your life, de-stress your life? What is that all
1: about? How do you help people with that? You know, I think there, there are different ways to go about it. One of the key things is to give yourself enough space and to start to, because I think part of part of the way we start to get in a stress reaction is when we have too much stuff going on, too much stuff in our head to process too much stuff in our schedule. So, and then you get into this cycle of reaction reacting and feeling, um, at the, at the mercy of your schedule, your time, you're saying things like, I don't have time. There's nothing I can do. That's a very reactive place to be. So the first place to build your power in is to start to give yourself some space to be able to think and make choices. Um, And there's gonna be a theme here. Small steps count. Small steps make a dramatic difference. Giving yourself time, five minutes every morning, to sit quietly or to look at your schedule and to get clear on what your absolute priorities are. Um, Five minutes at the end of the day to just lay on your bed and stare at the ceiling and unwind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, these kinds of things make a difference in stress. In stress there are all sorts of um, practices, meditation, journaling, deep breathing, singing in the shower, um, screaming in your car. Mm-hmm. There, there are all sorts of things. But if you don't start from the place of I have stress and I need to do something, I want to do something about it. And I'd like to do something about it. That's different from reaching for sugar. Right. If you, if you don't start from that place, nothing changes. And if if you continue on this path of yes, I have a lot of stress. I don't have any time, and I need to not eat sugar, and you don't incorporate anything else, then what you get into is a cycle of that feels like deprivation. Um. Mm-hmm.
0: And and just based on what you were saying is is what I was talking about earlier, because when when I was in that place where anything anybody told me, well, you should meditate. I don't have time. Well, you should just, and if someone said, well, you should just, I just wanted to punch them in the face yep. because I I have, my life was just busting at the seams and I thought I can't fit one more thing. So, but it wasn't that I didn't have the time. It's that I didn't have the skills necessary To find the time and the exercise that really was the denial breaker for me that it wasn't that I didn't have the time. It's that I didn't have the skills in order to prioritize properly and I also wasn't willing to put myself first. I had to see that the denial breaker was something that everybody listening can do. I had a blank calendar and she had me fill out how i spent my time each day for an entire week and when i looked at it what i realized is that i did have the time i was spending the time on numbing out activities watching TV, mindless things and it so that's a great denial breaker. If you're listening and you think I don't have the time, it's not that you don't have the time. So then she had me write my ideal calendar and I wrote out what I wanted it to look like. And just that simple energetic shift of placing my attention on what I wanted to create, which was having time for myself, helped me to create it. And then I found that instead of watching TV mindlessly, I'd say, oh, is this really how I want to spend this hour of this day? No. And so I then became conscious and could make other choices. Do you have tools that you love to share with people along those lines?
1: Well, I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's such an easy trap to get into, especially if you have all that other stuff going on, because it's great to say, you know, what would really nourish me would be to go for a hike. However, if I'm sleep deprived and I'm stressed out and I haven't been fueling myself well, um, even if I've been binging and um, I don't have any time in my calendar. I don't have the bandwidth to do that. And so the trap that a lot of people get into is they have no bandwidth. And so guess what's attractive when you when you don't have any bandwidth and you feel like you need to be taken care of and you just need a little downtime zoning out is where it's that's that's about where you're at in terms of what you're able to do Mm -hmm. so so i really think it's about um and i come from a place where i work with high achievers so i i have to say this over and over and over again i think sometimes it's about starting smaller than you think is worth it um starting with small actions Mm -hmm. so so looking at i i Absolutely love what you talked about in terms of how much time is getting lost in stuff that really doesn't nourish you. It, it feels like a break from your life, but it, it ends up leaving you feeling no more energized than when you started. Mm-hmm. To look at that, and and looking at reclaiming that time in combination with looking at your hidden hungers. If you're sleep deprived, and what you're trying to do is is um, insert a bunch of vibrant self-care in your life, it's gonna be hard to do if you don't have any energy. So being realistic about what you have to give yourself and what you need to do to get get back up to to feeling good, a lot of times it's sleep. Sleep is is such a big factor in this whole puzzle. and looking at what you're doing and really challenging yourself at, am am I doing something that's really nourishing? Does it feed my soul? That's the question I think is important. You know, have I fed yeah. my soul today?
0: And the sleep issue is huge because a lot of people really underestimate how much sleep wow. they need. And we treat it like it's a luxury, but sleep is an absolute necessity.
1: And it's a status symbol to be going without it, right? Oh, I'm so busy. And, and it's, the consequences for, not for me, but yes, <laughs> I love my
0: sleep. I <laughs> <laughs> nothing better than a good night's sleep or a nap.
1: Yeah. Yes. But the effects that sleep deprivation has on, on appetite, mm-hmm. on um, metabolism, on weight. I mean, the studies, even when they control for calories, um, people who are chronic women, who are chronically sleep deprived weigh more, um, yeah,
0: I I also think there's a bit of a status symbol in having too much to do. Yes. Um Oh, I don't have the time. Oh, I have too much. I'm going here. I'm going there. And it's it's so such a radically different life that I lead now that I've chosen a conscious life where I don't I don't ever say that, and I it's just not a part of my um, consciousness anymore uh, to live that way and if you're seeking optimal health if you're seeking brilliant health and you're listening you really need to ask yourself if you are doing that and participating in the oh i've got so much to do i'm so important culture that sometimes is a part of our society why are you doing that and what are you getting out of it at the cost of your health so that's a bigger bigger question
1: picture but I think having the bigger picture is so important. You know, one of the things I always ask people when we're working on emotional eating or overeating, before we dive into any of the food stuff is, you know, paint me a picture of what you want your life to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, paint, what does it look like? What are you doing with your time? What, and ev- everybody says, I do not want to be spending my time and energy just like wrestling with food anymore. I, I, I've got better things. It's exhausting. Right. And I love the, that whole idea of brilliant health, because to me um, it's expansive. It makes your life bigger. And so many discussions about um, weight loss and overeating feel so focused on um, restrictiveness and deprivation. And yes. that's, that's not a long-term recipe for success. just, who wants to to create a life that's based on a foundation of feeling deprived?
0: Right, exactly. And I know you have tools that help people to look at this issue of having too much on her plate um, as not that you don't have to go to deprivation. Do you want to share? I know we've talked about the quiz, which I thought was wonderful. And do you want to share some other resources that you'd like to give people?
1: Absolutely. Well, I think... There, there is a reason that you overeat and we've made it super easy for you to zero in on what hidden hungers are going on for you. And also, because the other pieces, I think people start to hear about hidden hungers and they think, oh my gosh, all these things are going on in my life. I'm overwhelmed. But figuring out what's the best, best, most prominent place for you to start and what's the first action step so if you haven't done it i highly recommend people go to toomuchonherplate.com and take the hidden hungers quiz Mm -hmm. because we'll give you all that information and a bunch of resources and and it'll give you some some places to start that that are going to hopefully give you the places to see the impact really quickly um we also put together a success pack that has Um, three resources that I think are really helpful along the lines that we've been talking about. Um, We've got how to declutter, we talked about stress, so how to declutter your brain and lose 10 pounds of stress. And again, let's look at the relationship between what's going on with stress and with your eating. I've got 10 strategies for avoiding emotional eating, which are uh, way beyond the whole Identify that emotional eating is a problem and just stop doing it, which is why (laughs) you're (laughs) all. Which doesn't work. Don't stress eat. You know, really? Just stop it. (laughs) (laughs) You're not hungry, so don't eat. Um, Yeah, it's totally not helpful. And along the same lines, I put together a package for you on how to kick comfort eating, which is, Um, the other piece of it, you know, bubble baths are great. Um, that's a lovely thing. We all, lots of us enjoy bubble baths, but it really isn't the be all end all when it comes to taking control of comfort eating. So, um, I think those resources, uh, the, I think they're great. I think they will be helpful if you're interested in what we're talking about and you want to like keep moving your brain in this direction. And, um, do you want me to give the link for that or is that something you've got?
0: Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes and I'm going to take those as your top three take action tips. Cause I think they're wonderful resources and people will get a lot of information there. I know with the last one, you had another question in your quiz about that also, and just knowing ways to celebrate that don't involve food, knowing ways to soothe and comfort yourself that don't involve food. And so I think those are wonderful take action steps. So if you're listening and you're resonating with what Dr. Melissa is talking about, go take her quiz. It's a very good quiz and download her resources, including the one about using food as comfort and, and maybe just make a little mental list of some other um, activities that you could use in your life to comfort yourself, whether it's massage or a walk in nature or talking to a friend or petting your cat that you could use to, actively soothe yourself instead of food. And thank you so much Dr. Melissa for sharing this information with us. This is a topic that I think we need to talk about. Stress and food and the relationship with women because it's it's about food is about so much more than food. And if we could just stop doing it, we would just stop doing it. And so it's more we need tools and skills and you are offering so many new ways to think about this information new ways to think about this difficulty in life that I think are going to be really enlightening for people so thank you so much
1: oh thank you for having me and
0: the name of the podcast is her brilliant health radio I'd love it if you could share what
1: that means to you I well a lot of what we talked about her brilliant health is expansive and it makes your life better not harder that's the simplest way I know to put it and it's so true I love
0: that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the information that you've shared. Many blessings.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for
0: this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you're inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit kirendunstonmd.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review and make sure to subscribe to the podcast. So you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.